Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Voice of the Cape 91.3. I'm Aslam Kassim with you. And as we head into the festive season, uh, where Umrah tends to boom, some problems have started to surface in the Umrah industry. And among these issues uh, is the regulation of Umrah. This and also other matters will be under discussion in the next hour as we look at the pitfalls of the current Umrah industry. And just a reminder, you can comment or ask any questions when we open the lines. It's 0214423530. Then also that SMS number is 47913. Joining us in studio, Sadiq Sienkamp, the chairperson of the South African Hajj Travel Operators Association. So once again, the number 47913, that number 0214423530. We're focusing on Umrah this evening and unpacking and unraveling everything with regards to Umrah for you this evening. To our guests, uh, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh Mawlana and to all the listeners of Radio VSC as well. Shukran for, for joining us this evening. Um, as we said, uh, the Siddiq Stienkamp, the chairperson of Satawa, and answering our questions. Let's get straight into it and uh, explaining the industry. Let's start. Can we start off with that general explanation about the industry? What's happening? أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم. Yes, Maulana, I think um, what we need to do is when we look at the Umrah industry, we have to divert what's happening in the Umrah industry with regards to what's happening when we go on Hajj. And generally, the concept of a Hajj visa, the concept of an Umrah visa, and the concept of any other visas is something which is not commonly uh, well understood within the market, within the public domain. So I think it's important that we start from that process to say, we get a lot of questions as to, do I have to be registered with South to go on Umrah? Can we go on Umrah without an agent? Can we do our own arrangements? Can we go to the embassy and apply for an Umrah visa on our own? All these are things that I think um, we need to unpack a little bit. We need to explain. We need to make uh, the listeners and the general public aware out there of what the uh, rules, the regulations, the conditions are. We also need to then talk about uh, rules and regulations in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia versus what is currently happening and what all the regulations uh, or otherwise not is in, in our own country. So these are some of the issues that we need to unpack, inshallah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, starting off with uh, the industry, um, sometimes people feel that, you know, they want to bypass the operator and, and go straight to the embassy. Is this, uh, can people do this? Molana, the, the simple answer is no. But the explanation behind that answer is quite lengthy. Okay. And, and what I've done uh, tonight is to bring with me, uh, so that you can see, uh, a, a, a set of contracts, a contract uh, which any licensed Umrah operator needs to enter to um, prior to it being able to operate within the kingdom of uh, Saudi Arabia. Mm. Now, I think that first and foremost we need to understand that we have rules within the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and then we've got rules in South Africa and these are different sets of rules pertaining to the various countries. The government of Saudi Arabia has made a ruling that if you want to be registered within the kingdom um, as a licensed operator then you have to be registered in your country as a licensed business Mm. and you also have to have what we call an IATA license. In other words, you need to be affiliated to the Association of Air Transport um, uh, which is situated in in, in Geneva. So you need to have an Mm. IATA license. Um, In order to get an IATA license, of course, there's a whole set of rules to that. Um, That falls out of the whole Umrah or Hajj Ambit. That is, if you want to be an IATA agent, 
you need to be registered in the country and you have to satisfy, of course, um, the agency of IATA in terms of their rules and regulations. And that is quite um, cumbersome mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so we're looking at all those procedures that you need to go through to be uh, speaking out on about operators. Are we going to let's stick with the operators for now and um, people that want to? I know someone looked on the friend of mine, he had a look on the website and uh, looking at I think it was booking.com or something, and he looked at the um, hotels for the evening uh, for the accommodation that is. And um, the accommodation was under 400 rand per evening. And uh, they were thinking, why not, you know, why can't we, you know, do this on our own? Um, apply for uh, a visa and, and just carry on without the agent. Uh, that, unfortunately, is not uh, allowed. If I can just go into the issuing of a visa first and foremost. If you want to enter the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, you can enter the kingdom with different types of visas. Mm. Hajj, we all understand what Hajj is all about. If you want to go on Hajj, you are registered with Sahuk, they accredit you, and then on accreditation, you receive a Hajj visa and you go on Hajj. And that visa is valid from the 1st of the Al-Qaeda until the 15th of Muharram. And that's why you'll find that the Haram, if you look on TV nowadays, it's only becoming empty now because all the Hujjaj is out of the, um, uh, out, uh, have to leave the country. So the Hajj visa is simple. If you want to go on Umrah, you have to buy a package from a licensed Umrah operator in the country to be able to get your visa. And the reason why that is so is because the kingdom has put in a set of rules which said that, first of all, if you want to be able to process the Umrah visa, you need to sign a contract with a licensed Umrah operator in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So there's another angle to this first. First of all, within the Kingdom, the Kingdom appoints or the Kingdom approves registered licensed Saudi Arabian Umrah operators. Mm -hmm. All right. And that operator has to contract with a South African company according to a standard Umrah contract as given by the Ministry of Hajj. Mm -hmm. Now this Umrah contract, and I'm showing the, you this Umrah contract here, this Umrah contract has got what we call 32 articles. There are 32 issues, steps that your Saudi Arabian licensed Umrah operator needs to adhere to as well as the South African company. Mm. And when this when this happens, and when this Kumara contract is signed and sealed and approved by the ministry, that is when we as licensed Umrah operators are able to contract with Mu'tamarin out there. So, in other words, we are not able to issue you, or we should not be, a, we should not be issuing you with a visa, we should be issuing you with an approved package as approved by the Saudi operator. Hmm. Okay, so that's how it... We're going to go quickly for our ads and uh, we'll come back after this. Remember the SMS line is 47913 and our landline number is 021 Our guest this evening Srik Siencham, the chairperson of the South African Hajj Travel Operators Association, answering some very pertinent questions that we had and answering them to the best of his ability as an authority on the topic. So inshallah do tune in. And um, tell your friends as well, those who have those pushing, pressing and urging issues that they want to find out with regards to the Umrah. This evening, our program focuses precisely on that. taking a look at some of the SMSs that we have received uh, thus far. One of the SMSs says that, uh, Salam, why is Umrah so expensive? I think there are too, too many margins, I think, and it has become a capitalist business. 
reads the one SMS. Uh, another one says, uh, Salama believe that every year Saudi government sponsor few citizens of each country. Why is this not advertised? And who was nominated this year? Uh, can instead of the poor masses who yearn to go? So those are so just two of the SMSs that we have thus far. Yes, with regards to the sponsors, of course, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to comment on that. Mm. Um, with regards to why are things so expensive? Of course, I mean, we are living in a, in a, in a time where things have become very expensive mm. worldwide. Um, but, um, you know, from our point of view, of course, you know, I believe that we as, as operators, as the industry needs to work um, with um, our suppliers needs to work with the airlines needs to work with the general public out there mm-hmm. uh, and ensure that we are able to offer an affordable package as possible but of course when you talk about expensive and affordability you know, it's a relative term mm-hmm. um, because you can buy from the upper end or you can buy from the lower end and you can buy in between and that's why I say, you know, when you talk about affordability and why things are so expensive, it's um, it's always, uh, you know, relative, you know, to um, mm-hmm. to the consumer. However, in terms of this, um, shall I call it this business in 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 Omra, what's also playing a major role in terms of costing a package is our very very volatile and very, very weak rand that we have at the moment. Mm. I mean, the rand is trading almost at 14 rand at the moment in terms, if you compare to the Saudi real, it's at 3 rand 80 to the Saudi real. Mm. And imagine Mm. you need 3 rand 80 for one Saudi real. And if you look at what's happening in the kingdom at the moment with um, uh, with, with all the buildings coming down, the supply of accommodation is dropping in Mecca and Medina um, and the construction is not going quick enough. Mm-hmm. And so from that point of view, where the demand at the moment is outstripping supply, mm-hmm. pure economics, you know what's going to happen, you know, prices mm-hmm. going to increase because of scarcity. So these are some of the issues that, that, that we can go in. But just in terms of where we are at the moment, I mean, the Omara season has become closer and closer while it's not slap bang in the middle of the peak festive season and so people are traveling all over the world I mean it's peak season it's holiday season and your airline ticket now in December um, has become far more not far more but it's become more expensive than at the time when you go on Hajj Hmm. and that's because Omara is falling right within um, the um, the festive season. Yes. So from the 15th of December to the 15th of January, in and out of the country, you're going to pay a premium price. And I've said this in previous years, and I'll say it now again, that if you have not done your arrangements early enough um, and you do it on the last minute, you're going to have to pay the price. And that is just the case as mm-hmm. is. See that we're underpaying, uh, looking at cost structures and process structures, Elaborate on those points as well. Yes, Molona, let me just say to you, if, if I look at this contract here that I've got in front of me, um, we receive, um, as, as a licensed Umrah operator, a contract you know, from our uh, Saudi operator, our Saudi counterpart. And when we receive this contract, we have to send this contract to a public notary for authentication. It, from there, it goes to the High Court. Mm. where it is signed off by the High Court. From there, it goes to the Department of International Relations uh, for their authentication. And from there, it goes to the Saudi Embassy uh, for their sign-off, ultimately. So, first of all, in terms of just getting the contract in place, that goes through a full process, Mm. which, of course, uh, there's quite a bit of costs involved. Now, I see yes, every page is, uh, it has a uh, very specialized and uh, designed authentication uh, insignia on there. Yes, it goes through the full justice and through the full, you know, depart, foreign departmental uh, you know, system before we can submit this to our first operator in Saudi Arabia uh, for consideration to put forward mm. um, to the Hajj authorities um, for activation. 
So this is the first process that we go through. And you know that when you have to deal uh, with lawyers and so on and courts, you know, there, there are costs involved. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to explain the cost to you. Mm-hmm. Secondly, as a license operator, um, this contract will not be accepted by the kingdom without a financial guarantee that we have to give to them in Saudi Reals. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's a financial guarantee that needs to go with this contract. And the financial guarantee must be given by a South African bank to a Saudi Arabian bank who then has to give that guarantee to the Saudi operator that we signed the contract with who then puts that over to the Hajj ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, the financial guarantee is quite onerous. In the past, it had been, uh, it's, it's quite onerous. First of all, you have got to give it in a foreign currency. So in, a, in order for you to be able to raise the guarantee in a foreign currency, you need reserve bank approval. So there's another mm-hmm. process in place. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the, the, the guarantee that's required, the banks are not going to cover you for only the amount of the guarantee they would want to add in and call it an, an amount for a safety net. So in other words, if, for example, I'm asking for a 100 rand guarantee, the banks will say, hold on, but I want a 10% on that in case of fluctuation. Mm. So that increases the cost. Then you have the situation of the foreign currency fluctuation. So where this guarantee in the past, perhaps where the rand had been trading at 2 rand, um, the guarantee was at a particular level, the rand is now trading at 3 rand 80, and so immediately the current guarantee uh, doubled in price just mm-hmm. because of the fluctuation. Yes. And of course the financial institutions are going to cover themselves in terms of that fluctuation. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, what is currently happening is that the ministry, the Hajj ministry, has now come out to say that they want the guarantee that had been in place over all of these years to double in amount. Sure. So there's a huge increase mm. in what is required to be put down. You haven't done anything yet. You're just trying to get your contract mm. in place. You have not just sold anything. You've done nothing yet. You are trying to put your contract in place in order to trade. Mm. Now, these, these costs are directly, it's absolutely directly associated with the issuing of a package and a visa. Mm. So naturally, if I am going to cost a package, I have to take all of these costs into account Mm. because I have to sustain my business. Is this a renewable annually or is it a once-off? And this is the other problem. It must be done on an annual basis. So you've got to go through this on an annual basis Mm. and you have to pay the costs and you've got to go through, uh, you know, the effort and the PT on an annual basis. Mm. Can we go through some of the SMSs as no, well course, in the meanwhile? Right. Um, some of the SMSs that has come through, um, it says there are agents who sell the visas only. Six of us went in March 2015, bought visas only and made our own bookings further. Um, so that's a, a comment there from a, from a listener. Um, the next one says, um, just get into it. It's refreshing. Let me just remove that. The following message says that, Assalamu alaikum, my friends has booked their flight tickets and accommodation online. Their visas was done by an agent. Is this method in order? Ask the person. What I've explained to you, um, it's obvious that you cannot buy a visa. And whoever is doing that, uh, I must say to you quite frankly, is breaking the law. as it is at the, as the regulation is at the moment, we have to sell you a package. And if I sell you a visa only, you are obviously breaking the law and flouting the rules um, as set down by the Hajj ministry. And your problem always is if anything goes wrong. And we've seen this many times. When things go wrong, 
This is when all the questions are being asked. Who issued the visa? Who took responsibility? Where's the contract? Where's the itinerary? Etc. And that is when all the, the questions are, are being raised. So, again, the short answer is no, it's wrong. You, you, we may not sell you a visa only. Hmm. And if a person decides that they want to go to the, to the embassy to, to do registering and, 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 and those procedures? I've heard and I've seen some, um, I've seen some um, correspondence between the public and uh, the the embassy of Saudi Arabia. Um, I also sit on the, the board of, of Sauk. I've been elected to sit on the board of Sauk as a board member. And so some of these things, when it happens, some of these things are referred to, to Sauk because people still think that, or are under the impression that Sauk also has um, an input in the in the Umrah indus- industry in terms of if there's any queries, you know, they would refer to Sauk. So I've, I've seen some of these correspondence. And we've had a situation now where a group of, of people, call it a family, went to the uh, Saudi embassy and said, well, you know, we've done everything. Can you please issue us with an Umrah visa for December? And uh, uh, the Saudi embassy referred them back to a licensed Umrah operator, licensed travel agent. So... The embassy do not have um, the capability um, or maybe the authority to issue the Umrah visa without um, all the processing and without the consent uh, of the licensed Umrah operator um, Mm -hmm. as per the contract that's been signed. So if anybody does anything in terms of flights, accommodation, and then go to the embassy and ask them to issue them with an Umrah visa, the embassy will refuse. Hmm. Now, this person is asking on the SMS, says that my husband working in Saudi, can my husband obtain a visa in uh, RSA? I take it that this is a Saudi wanting to come to South Africa, because if it's a South African, you don't need a visa to come back into the country. Hmm. Because it says my husband is working in Saudi. That's what the what the message says. Well, if it's South African, of course, you don't need a visa. And if it's in other, any other nationality, um, of course, you know, we do have our rules and regulations as pertaining to mm. visas here in this country as well. Mm. It, it all depends on uh, the nationality of the person. Okay. Take us through the steps, because it seems there's, there's really confusion here. Take us through the steps if someone, they're going on Umrah. What would be the, the step? Right. First and foremost, let me just explain to you that the Umrah season opens on the first of Safar every year mm-hmm. and it closes in the first week of Ramadan. All right. So the first of Safar this year is around about 14th, 13th, 14th of November. This is when the Umrah season opens worldwide. Okay. So what needs to happen then is that the the licensed Umrah operators need to be ready. Hmm. In other words, all of these things that I've explained to you in terms of the contract, the contracts need to be in place, the guarantee needs to be in place, and the same thing needs to happen on the Saudi side. Your Saudi Umrah operator needs to be ready as well. So it's absolutely important that you have the right supplier, the right partner Hmm. within the kingdom. And when you book at any operator, at any licensed operator, I think that the first question that the Mu'atamirin needs to put to the person or to the company is that A, are you a licensed operator? Hmm. And B, uh, I intend to travel in December. Are you going to be ready to to issue the visa? And of course, thirdly, right you negotiate on the package that you would require. Mm. So, Muff, before we go further, how do you verify whether this is a licensed operator as well? If you look during the the last uh, few years, you can go on the Hajj Ministry's website. You can Google it and go on the Ministry's website, and then you type in the in the country South Africa licensed Umrah operators. 
mm-hmm. and your licensed Umrah operators would be listed on the Hajj Ministry's website. Okay. Um, and this is first of all where you can um, go to to verify whether the company is actually um, um, registered. Mm-hmm. Of course, at Satoa, you can also contact us and we would be able to advise you whether the co- uh, the company is registered. Just in terms of the amount of companies or registered Umrah operators in the country, um, for the last number of years, approximately four in Cape Town, five in Durban, and six in Gauteng. Hmm. So there's been four. Yeah, there's about 15 licensed hmm. Umrah operators, but we know how many people are selling Umrah out there. Hmm. Um, so it's important that people must understand where they buy their package from and whether the company is licensed. Um, in Cape Town, particularly, there's a culture. There's a culture of buying from our imams, from our madaris, from our masajids, um, from groups, and generally, of course, you know those, uh, uh, you know those the, those entities are are not licensed or registered to sell umrah. So, it's important then to understand if they are affiliated or whether they are sub agents to. Or for a registered Umrah operator, mm. because the responsibility of taking the Mu'tamirin for Umrah to the kingdom and back lies squarely on the shoulders of the company who issues the visa. Mm. Right. Okay. So that 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 is that is very very important, and this is where we have the problem with regulation in South Africa, where there's generally a misunderstanding or not a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding as to how the industry should be operating. We're going to go for our break at this time, and uh, our guest in studio is Sadiq Stienkamp, the chairperson of the South African Hajj Travel Operators Association. Our SMS number is 47913-021-442353-0. That's our landline number. If you do have any questions for our guest this evening, and uh, we're answering questions pertaining to the Umrah. Welcome once again. Our topic for this evening is looking at the Umrah and uh, looking at uh, issues, regulations of Umrah. And under discussion, uh, we're looking at the pitfalls of the current Umrah season. And just a reminder, you can comment or you can ask any questions. We open the lines. It's 021-442-3530 if you want to give us a call. And then also the SMS number. It's 47913. And uh, if we can just get into a question or two. Of course. It says, yes, Salam, I'm sure a visa is free. Uh, why must we pay for it? And uh, then another SMS says, yes, and I'm please do not put people in a panic. Um, Shukra, now your people can speak about Umrah when it comes to Hajj. You prolong, wait on the last minute to tell people they can go for Hajj. So, um, those are two of our SMSs that we received. And um, if we can also look at the regulations in, involved, especially for this time of the year. Yeah. Bismillah rahman rahim First of all, I think that the objective of us talking here is to make people aware uh, of um, what we need to do in order to ensure that we have a smooth uh, Umrah season, inshallah. Mm. And that is the objective of talking to the public out there so that we are able to get people to understand what the issues are, are out there and so that when they make decisions, that they can make informed decisions. In the past, we have had a lot of issues comes um, in the December season, and I think we want to be proactive to say to people that when you make arrangements, ensure um, that you make the arrangements with the proper people, ensure that you ask the right questions, and know which questions to ask. Mm. So I think it's important that from that point of view, uh, that I would just like to make it, uh, you know, clear um, that to that to the person who you know posed the SMS that perhaps you know we don't want to, you uh, know, create panic at the station. Of course, we mm-hmm. do not want to create panic. Uh, that is not the objective of what we're wanting to do. 
secondly, in terms of cost, you know, there's always a lot of questions pertaining to cost. Um, with regards to cost and with regards to whether a, a visa is free, and this question has come up many times, um, there is a bit of mis- uh, there, there's a bit of of, of um, um, again misunderstanding when people actually look at the Umrah visa within the passport and in the passport it says on the visa it says free all right so people mm-hmm. interpret that to be that there's no cost attached to the Umrah visa but what's happening at the moment indeed the same thing happens in Hajj is that all the work all the processing all the cost pertaining there to is borne by the South African company and is borne by the Saudi Arabian company in order to process that visa. All right. So what happens is that when a person book um, with a company, we enter you within the system. Right. All the details are verified. That then gets passed on to the Saudi operator. And at that stage is when we have to pay the cost pertaining not only to the processing of that visa, but pertaining to the authorization then being given by the Hajj ministry. It's at that stage where we have to pay the cost over in Rihal to the Saudi operator. And after everything had been verified, and the cost had been paid, mm. the ministry would then approve the visa. All right? And that is when what we call a MOFA number is then generated. A MOFA meaning Minister of Foreign Affairs. That the Minister of Foreign Affairs in Saudi then gives the authority and because everything is IT related, is IT driven, that authority is then passed on to the embassy to say, and I'm giving it to you in very simplistic terms, to mm-hmm. say, well, issue the visa, all right? And so we do all the, the processing down here. We scan your photo in. We scan in the MOFA number. And that visa is then sent on to the Saudi embassy, who then prints out the visa and then paste it into your passport, all right? So... For that part that they do in printing out the visa, in putting it into your passport, there's no cost attached to that. And this, in their understanding, means that they are giving the visa free. <laughs> but in order to get there, there is a long process in place. Mm. And it sounds complicated, but because, alhamdulillah, uh, your, your license operators had been in the business for, for quite some time, um, people are skilled. People are knowledgeable in what to do. The process is quite smooth. So once you go through the whole process, you pay the cost. The visa is then processed in the embassy, and it comes out. So at that stage, you look at your passport, and you says, well, alhamdulillah, I've got my Umrah visa. It is free. There's no cost attached. But, you know, in the background, there's quite a bit of cost involved. And in that case... Um, perhaps we should call it a, a visa processing fee and not that there's a cost to the to the issuing of the visa hmm. but there's a quite a big cost in terms of getting the visa processed and authorized hmm. I think that's really uh, let's just rephrase once ago again those operative words visa processing fee. there's a there's a, a fee to process mm-hmm. And to get the visa authorized. So I'm yeah. almost wanting to call it uh, a visa processing and authority, uh, authorizing fee as opposed to you paying for a visa. For the visa. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. once we send that visa to the Saudi embassy, the embassy then presses their button, out comes the visa, they mm-hmm. paste it in your passport, and you then get your Umrah visa. And it's for that reason that the embassy is not able if you go directly to the embassy and ask the embassy to issue you with an Omra visa, they will not be able to do it because everything is 
IT related. Mm. You know, it's 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 integrated from the foreign affairs uh, system into call it their home affairs system in order to get you into the country. Mm. And so it's not a matter of them just writing out a visa and saying, "Well, there's your visa." So without going through the various steps, the embassy is not in a position to issue you with yeah. an Omra visa. Mm. And it's for for that reason where we say to people. Uh, when we say to them visas are not free, actually the processing and getting the authority to issue the visa, uh, there's quite a bit of cost attached to that. Mm-hmm. We'll come back with uh, some more and uh, Satoa, that's the uh, South African Hajj Travel Operators Association. And in studio there's chairperson, that is Dick Stien, comes speaking to us this evening. And uh, we'll come back immediately after this. Just before we go, let's just go through that SMS that reads, when the people go on Umrah, must the radio also check if they are registered? Time right now, 6.51. Now, guest this evening, Sadiq Siencam, the chairperson of the South African Hajj Travel Operators Association, answering our questions pertaining to Umrah, those logistics and uh, the regulations involved, uh, registering, all those things we're looking at this evening. Uh, another question says here, while we, just before the break, we were speaking about the visas and uh, uh, clarifying, the, uh, the chairperson was clarifying as well, uh, with regards to the uh, cost involved and uh, the running up or those precursor procedures running up to the issuing of the actual visa. There's another question pertaining to it. It says, yes, Anam, can you say what the visa costs or does it vary from agent to agent or is it a hidden cost? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. It cannot be a hidden cost because I'm explaining it in full year to the general public out there. But of course, when a package is being put together, uh, generally, if, if I can just give a quick rundown of, of how that would be made up, um, people will charge you for the processing and the authorization of the visa. Mm. Uh, they will charge you for, uh, of course, the trans, uh, the um, return airline ticket, accommodation Mecca, accommodation Medina, and then the transportation, whether it's a first leg from the airport to the hotel or whether it's your full triangular um, transfers. Generally, those would be the five things um, that people would uh, would pay for. In terms of um, the cost attached to the the processing and the authorization of the visa, um, of course, you know, you have different companies operating at different levels. So, whilst the cost is not the same from company to, to company. Um, it shouldn't be be varying um, in, in, in any great amount of, of, of money. So there's a cost attached to, um, um, to what you pay for your Saudi operator. And of mm. course, in terms of what we pay, we pay in a foreign currency, so that amount fluctuates. Mm. At the moment, you find that the rand is trading at 14 rand, um, it could come down, it could go up, so there could be a fluctuation. Also in terms of whether you're residing in uh, any of the coastal areas or whether you are in Gauteng near the embassy, um, if, if you come to me and I book you a package and, for example, um, you know, come as two people and I have to send up your, uh, your passport to the embassy, uh, the courier cost in terms of sending it from Durban or Cape Town or Port Elizabeth up to Pretoria and getting it back, of course, is quite pricey. As opposed to, for example, if you come in here as a group, uh, and if I process a group of 100 passports, those costs would be, um, you know, of course, lesser than mm. if, if I process one or two. Um, so in terms of that, there's costs involved. Also, the the embassy do not allow us to send passports directly to them via courier. So what we now need to do, we need to appoint somebody in Gauteng, uh, in Pretoria, that we have to send the passports to so that that person must then also submit that passport into the embassy and fetch it and mm-hmm. send it back. So there is a further cost involved directly attached to issuing your visa and of course these things can um, can differ in terms of cost 
from company to company. Mm. So it's not to say that that, that's a standard cost. Mm. I I truly hope that people are aware of all these procedures and the admin that you have to endure. This is the objective of our discussion here tonight, just Mm. to make people aware. Um, Because currently there is a probe by the Competitions Commission in terms of cost attached to a visa. And this comes directly because of a complaint of the general public who perhaps did not understand Hmm. the procedures behind issuing a visa. And so one of the things that I'm very glad that we've got enough time almost to, 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 to recover you know the the processing issue and the cost attached so that people can understand what are the things that we need to go through in order to process your visa if you have to go for example uh, to the United States or to Europe or any other country that requires you um, to get the visa in the country here you will find that there's quite a bit of cost attached Mm. Um, if you go to any of the com- the companies who's processing these visas, and for example, people do realize that that traveling to any other country where you require a visa, um, there's many many costs attached, and so the Omara is no different in terms of processing um, the visa and getting it uh, authorized by the kingdom. Mm. Looking at a question here again that says, uh, when booking through the agent, are you able to get a full breakdown of all the costs involved, example, ticket, accommodation, and all fees, including the profit the agent make? Shukran. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, um, uh, if you want an itemized billing, uh, I I, I don't think that that should be a problem. Um, I'm not sure why, why people would want to know what profit you make. Certainly, if you go out and go to a supermarket and you buy groceries, you're not going to ask, the, you know, what's your profit mm. on each can of uh, whatever you buy. So I, I think, um, with respect, I think it's unreasonable mm. to expect that. Um, there is no reason um, why you cannot ask for itemized billing. But, for example, if you come to me and I say to you, uh, for 15,000 rand, I'm selling you a package, and these are the things that included in the package. You know, mm. you make the call. Yes, yeah. I like it, or no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I think is becoming very, very important, I think more so, I think, you know, given where this question is leading to, is that, and, and this is advice that I would want to give people now going for Omar December, is that when you go and book, make sure that you have a valid itinerary or a contract in place. And it needn't be a 10, 12-page contract. But the itinerary that you should be asking, almost should be demanding, um, should clearly state what you are buying and what you are paying for, what's included. And, of course, by implication, if it's not included, then it's not included. Mm. So, for example, if I say to you that I'm selling you a package with an air ticket, with a visa processing and authorization in there, Makkah accommodation with breakfast, Medina accommodation with breakfast, I'm going to get you a transfer from the airport to Medina to Makkah back to the airport, and those are the five things included in the package, and perhaps I'm giving you a ziyarat in Makkah and ziyarat in Medina. I'm giving you those seven things and the price is attached to it, then that is what you must expect for what you are paying. And there's no reason for you to want to know how much is the ticket and how much is this and how much is that. If you want to do that, no problem. But I'm saying that at minimum people must say, you give me an itinerary to say that I'm leaving on the 20th of December mm. and I'm going to go to this hotel and I'm going to get breakfast or not, etc., etc., so that at least there is some certainty there so that you exactly know what you are in for. Mm. And if a company do not deliver on that, then you have got a basis for recourse. Mm. But the problem normally is when people buy and there's nothing in writing in place and there's disagreements um, Mm. and then they come back and complain uh, and it's 
then it becomes a problem to adjudicate yes. who's right and who's wrong. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing in the writing, there's no itinerary, there's no contract. How do how does a third party know who's right and who's wrong? And this is where the problem comes in. We continue. We'll be with our guests. Will be for us, with us for the next seven minutes or so, just before we break for the uh, walk of Maghrib. In the meanwhile, let's cross to our questions that we have here on our SMS line. It says all our paperwork is in place, having problems of, of obtaining unabridged birth certificates. We applied very early. Why does it take so long? Of course, when it comes to unabridged birth certificates and the Department of Home Affairs. Um, as Umar operators, of course, we can't we can't do anything with regards to that. The South African government has put in a procedure where if you are under 18 years old, you need an unabridged birth certificate. I think that they now changed the name. They say you need a birth certificate that states the mother and the father's name. Mm -hmm. um, home affairs um, depends which branch you go and You can go and talk to the people concerned and ask them to prioritize it. I have found them to be quite helpful, and um, I uh, can only urge you know the listener to go back uh, to Home Affairs and take the documentation there and ask them to prioritize it, and perhaps also ask your travel agent to give a copy of the itinerary to say that we are traveling on a particular date, and we really need this birth certificate in order to travel, and I think that um, they would be quite willing to assist. Okay. Uh, another one says, um, is the first transfer compulsory and is it free? Is the first transfer compulsory and is it free? Mm. Transfers are not free in terms of the Umrah contract. As I explained, um, you have to take the package from the, the operator and the package basically includes your accommodation uh, and your transfer um, and your you should be able to show that you have a valid returned uh, you know, ticket. Um, so it is not free, and yes, it is part of the package, and it is compulsory. Mm. Then another person says, yeah, we had all the info your guest is relating, but had no recourse with Sauk. Poor, hardworking ones always lose out. That's the SMS. Let me say to you that in terms of um, and I take it this must be somebody uh, who had a complaint against uh, an, an operator. Um, and unfortunately, you know, um, SAUG do not have um, the, um, as it is at the moment, uh, the jurisdiction or the authority um, um, to, to adjudicate in, in such a matter. Um, and all I can say, and this is why, again, you know, we haven't had enough time to really talk about regulation in this country and what we need to do to regulate um, the Omara industry better in this country uh, as to what people can do in, in order to get the, um, you know, the query resolved. But at this stage, I can say to the person uh, that, uh, that they can contact Satawa um, and we'd be able to see how we can assist the person. Mm. Another person says I want to know if I hear the ad on the radio, does it mean that they are registered? Um, I can honestly tell you that I'm not the person that can answer that. But uh, as our guest has mentioned to us previously, um, finding out, I know he mentioned it, um, as to the registered, people can go to the website of the Saudi ministry and also to Satawa's website? Yes, the um, the licensed operators are all listed under the website of the Saudi Ministry. Mm. At this stage, people are still busy registering, so you wouldn't have any licensed operator as is at the moment because the registration process um, is being done as it is at the moment. But at least if you want to have an idea Mm. Of who had been registered last year, you can go to the ministry's website. As I said, you can Google it and you can type in uh, registered South African Umrah companies and it will give you a list of who the registered uh, Umrah operators for last year um, had been.
mm. uh, in, in the country. And if it's not on the off course, then um, the person is not registered. Okay. There's, uh, we have about approximately two minutes. I'm going to go for this question. It says there's no cost involved. Three minutes. Uh, my technician indicates to us three minutes. It says there's no cost involved when authorization comes through for visa. visa. This is the SMS. I'll read it again. There's no cost involved when authorization comes through for a visa, visa issued by the Saudis. And it says from a visa consultant. Well, I've shown you the contract. I've explained to you. Um, and perhaps you know the consultant can um, can contact me, and we can talk about it. And perhaps uh, uh, you know we can consult with him and show him uh, that perhaps um, his advice, or in this instance, is is not absolutely right. Mm. Okay. Um, the validity of a visa is thirty days. What can you do when traveling to different places and finish your travels with an um- umrah? in which that 30 days expires while still in Mecca for three days after expiry date? There is absolutely nothing you can do if your visa expires. If you've got a 30-day visa, you've got to adhere to the visa um, condition. And uh, again, I'm at pains to explain to people that if a visa is valid for 30 days, that is what it means. But again, there's another angle to it, and I don't have time to explain um, that the visa, even though it says validity 30 days, it might not be a 30-day visa because it might be listed as something different within the system of the Umrah operator. And that is mm. something, again, that we have to unpack at the later stage. But if it's 30 days, it's 30 days. Mm. And uh, there is just nothing you can do about it. You've got to adhere to the visa uh, mm. condition. Um, once again, shukran to our guests for joining us this evening. It's uh, Sadiq Sienkamp, the chairperson of the South African Hajj Travel Operators Association, unraveling, unpacking, explaining, elaborating all the procedures and uh, everything involved with the Umrah. Uh, quite extensive time, not sufficient, not at all. Perhaps in forthcoming programs, we can ask our producer, Yusuf Mali, to get our guests once again to clarify some of your SMSs. And we'll end off on this one SMS. It says here, I think it's not anybody's business what profit you make. Why do people attack travel agent? Why not then ask the lawyers and doctors what fat profits they are making? Shukran so much for joining us this evening. Jazakallah, Maulana. And I say shukran uh, to the listeners for all the SMSs and raising the questions. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.